Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 258 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. So pleased that you are here with me today as we are talking to the always fabulous Kristen Higgins. She's been on the show before. She'll probably be on it again someday. We talk about not looking back as you go forward in your work. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy that interview, so stay tuned for that. What is going on around here? Well, we're still at the beach house. We have one more full day. We have tomorrow as our full day here, unless we get locked down again suddenly. God forbid, because I'm ready to go. Um, We are going to, on Sunday, pick up and move and drive through Auckland. So let me break it down. All of New Zealand now, a little bit more than three weeks after the hard crunch lockdown at level four, that was as locked down as you get. You don't leave the house except for a short walk and you can't do anything else. You don't go anywhere. You don't see anybody. Um, We were at level four. Then we went to level three. Now we're at level two. All of New Zealand is at level two, except for Auckland, which is still at level four. So we had one community case of COVID. It was a Delta variant. They locked down over that. Within two weeks, there were 700 cases. They were all genome sequenced. They were all tracked. They're all being cared for. It's up to about 800 now. But yesterday, we only had 20 reported inside Auckland. The only place that the coronavirus is right now is inside Auckland. And let me tell you, when you shut a city down and you don't let anyone in or out, it can't get out. It doesn't get out, which is why the rest of us are at level two. And what level two is, is basically everything is back to normal. Uh, It's kind of like the states without the fear, because right now everybody's back at work, back at school, but you have to wear a mask um, when you're indoors, except when you're in a gym or eating in a restaurant. But But the difference between being here and in the states is that you know that no one around you has coronavirus because they're tracking the wastewater in these areas. They know from wastewater that right now the only people with COVID-19 are in Auckland. Um, The New York Times did an article about a week ago saying, is New Zealand dreaming? Is this an impossible goal to eradicate the Delta virus? It may be. It it may be. Um, But so far, it's working. It's really working. And it's so exciting. So um, we are allowed to leave Northland now and drive through Auckland if we don't stop. And you have to have a reason and you have to have an address that you're going to. There is disagreement as to when you look at the newspapers, are you allowed to drive through Auckland for other than business purpose? We can't say that our our purpose is business to drive through Auckland. Um, But I asked the government if we could do it. I asked on Twitter, I asked the New Zealand government who is in charge of the COVID um, response. I said, we would like to move from Airbnb to Airbnb and drive through Auckland without stopping. And they said, yes, you can, you're allowed to. So I screenshotted that in case. So there are, um, there, there's police at the borders of Auckland. Uh, so I can show them that, but we are ready to move. We're going to Mount Manganui, which is um, just outside of Toranga, or maybe it's part of Toranga. I'm not sure. 
and it's a small surfing town and it looks beautiful. And we are, we're really ready to be in a place where we can walk somewhere and buy something. Um, because the, the, where we are right now, it's about a 15 minute drive from town, which is fantastic. It's the most beautiful 15 minute drive you've ever taken, but we're looking forward to being able to walk and get a coffee and get groceries and, um, do all that stuff that, that we came here to do. When we leave on Sunday, we will have been in this house for a month, which I cannot believe. But what that means is that Russell, we're actually south of Russell, we're in Te Wahapu, but um, this area now feels like home. Like we put down roots here. It feels like this glorious beach house is mine. And uh, that's going to be difficult because in uh, Mount Manganui, we're just renting an apartment, you know? It's going to have normal windows that look out on normal window things like other houses and cars instead of the variable oyster catcher and the white-faced heron and the pied cormorants, otherwise known as the pied shags, which is definitely my next band name. Um, I'm going to really, really miss this place. I feel like it's gotten deep into my soul, like some places do. I feel like I'm going to keep dreaming about this house. And the walks, the long walks that I take out on the deserted road and the high winds, rain whipping around. Like I, I'm going to dream about this place forever. Uh, I don't think we'll ever be able to afford to come back and rent it. Um, I found out that I just looked at uh, Airbnb because we're renting it under the table from this guy. It's not under the table. He gets to rent it to whoever he wants to at a very, very reduced rate, like I've mentioned, although it's still a little pricey for us. Um, and he rents it for $500 a night. In winter, it's $1,500 a night in summer. <laughs> so I doubt we'll ever come back, but I bet we'll drive down the road and walk down the beach and look up at our house. I'm very excited that um, the fancy restaurant in town just opened and you can order online or phone by phone, which I did, and you order a day in advance. And tomorrow night, they are delivering like a five-course meal to us the fancy, fancy restaurant, like, you know, truffle glazed porcini mussels drawn from the sea kind of thing. Uh, and delivery means they're going to go to the end of Te Wahapu Road and text us and we'll walk out along the beach to go pick up our dinner. And that's delivery because we don't have an address here. And it's, it's been wonderful. And I've done so much writing. And uh, actually today, I'm just finishing writing up my next Patreon essay. So if you are interested in Patreon and reading the essay about really what lockdown is like, and what it feels like to be doing this as an American, and as a New Zealand citizen, the differences that we have felt, I mean, obvi they're obvious, um, but I'm really enjoying kind of Comparing and, comparing and contrasting what we thought we were coming here to do, which was to be unstuck. And we have been stuck in a couple different places, in the MIQ Hotel and in this um, house and how kind of wonderful all of that feels. And what does that mean moving forward? I think I mentioned last time uh, that we might have a line on a house in Wellington, which we might be able to rent. And it's got an amazing view. It would make up for losing this view. And my heart is just yearning toward that. So apparently, no matter how footloose and fancy free I want to be, moving towns every week, I would like to not do that in a few months. Maybe two to four or five months, I would like to rent a house and just settle down for a while and make some friends. 
that is something I'm missing is just the chit chat that you have with your friends. And I would like to have that with a barista who knows who I am. And the, you know, the guy at the grocery store and meet some writers. I really want to be in a town and meet some writers and hang out with them. Um, actually, I'm going to reach out to one of the spa girls. If you listen to their podcast, it's awesome. Um, and she lives in Toranga. So I'm going to reach out to her and maybe have a coffee if she lets me have a tea. So that'll be nice. Uh, yeah, I think I've caught you up on everything else that's going on around here. I did start my classes on Tuesday and they're going to be amazing. The people in them are just as always sublime. And I'm doing a couple of new things with the classes, going a little bit deeper into how to get a book done in 90 days as I am writing the 90 day to done book. I've been thinking of new things. So they're kind of my guinea pigs um, in the best way. They're getting, they're getting kind of the best of what I know. And that is really pretty stupendous and amazing that I was able to do that from a beach house at the far north of New Zealand, where I am number 36 of the top 100 e-birders on the app. I'm, I've got to um, brag on that. I have identified 22 species of birds, me and my binoculars. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's not what I was expecting to do for our first month in the wilds of New Zealand, but it has been wonderful. So with that update, let us, oh, let me um, actually thank a couple of new patrons, if you don't mind. Uh, they were open and then they closed because the internet does kind of go up and down here, but here it is. Um, Juliet Kelly. Thank you, Juliet and Amber Reed. Thank you. Thank you so much. New patrons, new and current existing patrons and all the patrons of the past. Thank you so much because of you. I get to spend the time writing these essays that are the essays of my heart that I love love, love to do. So thank you very, very much. All right, my friends. It uh, doesn't matter whether you wrote yesterday and it doesn't matter whether you have written yet today. Can you find 10 or 15 minutes today to write some really terrible words, words that let you down um, and words that will not let you down in the future when you go back to them and you make them a little shinier, a little brighter. I know that you can do that. Please find me where I am online and tell me how you are doing with this request that you write, because your story is important. Only you can tell it and I want to read it. So um, keep me posted, my friends, and enjoy this interview with Kristen Higgins. I know you will. Do you wonder why you're not getting your creative work done? Do you make a plan to write and then fail to follow through again? Well, my sweet friend, maybe you'd get a lot out of my Patreon. Each month I write an essay on living your creative life as a creative person, which is way different than living as a person who binges Netflix 20 hours a week, and I have lived both of those ways, so I know. You can get each essay and access to the whole back catalog of them for just a dollar a month, which is an amount that really, truly helps support me at this here writing desk. If you pledge at the $3 level, you'll get motivating texts from me that you can respond to, and if you pledge at the $5 a month level, you get to ask me questions about your creative life that I'll answer in the mini episodes. So basically, I'm your mini coach. Go to patreon.com slash Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L, to get these perks and more. And thank you so much. I could not be more pleased today to welcome to the show Kristen Higgins. Hello, Kristen. 
Hi, Rachel. So good to see you again. It's a thrill to talk to you. I don't think I've seen you in a while. We haven't had a conference. I, I had you talk to one of my classes one time, and that was awesome. But I'm so glad to welcome you to the show. Let me give a little introduction for those who may not know you. New York Times bestselling author Kristen Higgins has sold 4.5 million books worldwide and is published in more than two dozen languages around the world. Her two most recent novels were each selected as People Magazine's Pick of the Week. Kristen is also a co-host of the Crappy Friends podcast, which discusses the often complex dynamics of female friendships with her friend and fellow writer Joss Day. Kristen lives in Connecticut with her family and Pack Up the Moon is her most recent novel. So that's You've got a lot going on. <laughs> yes. Plus, you, plus, you've got the daughter getting married. We were just talking about off off air. Oh my goodness! Well, congratulations on the new book. Um, I am in the middle of it and loving it, and it is such a tearjerker. Yeah, I know. I, I just. It's got to be your tear jerkiest, right? It definitely is, and and I say that with pride. You know. Um, I love books that affect me so much that I cry. And I think there's something really cathartic and healing. And it's like a gift to be able to cry over a fake person, a fictional person, you know, because sometimes it's harder to cry in real life over real people because you have so much going on and you have to take care of things and details and other people's grief. And so, when you're reading a book and it's sad and you have a good blubber, you know, there's something great about that. And I, I mean, I hope you're finding too, that it's not just a sad book, you know, it's, Oh, it's, abs- no, not at all. It's a tearjerker, yeah, but it's, it's moving. Yeah. The, the premise is, yeah. is clear. You know, a young woman with a terminal illness writes 12 letters to her husband to kind of walk him through that first year of widowhood for him because she knows you know that she's the best thing that ever happened to him and that he's he's not going to have an easy time of it and that she's his person so she's going to take care of him even even after she's gone um so i think it's it's very romantic in that sense and, um, you know, it's, it's a love story. It's a tragic love story, but without being a plot spoiler, it does have a happy ending. <laughs> I I'm feeling that I'm feeling that's going to happen. I'm very confident in that, uh, but also like, it's just, I think it's a really good time for this book to come out. I think people have had a lot of feelings and, and a lot of us, myself included, you know, I struggle with feeling feelings. Mm-hmm. And this is a way to do that. Yeah. yeah. So we all have had such a, the whole world has had such a rough 18 months plus. And we've all gone through this trauma and uncertainty. And I think, you know, for for me certainly, and I think for most people, we've never really felt the possibility of our own mortality more realistically than we have in this past pandemic you know where I I mean I I was just doing another interview earlier and I said you know I'm Hungarian we think about death all the time it's our hobby it's our you know the song of my people is to plan a funeral and (laughs) you know um and and yet every time in the past year or so year and a half going to the supermarket might be the last 
yeah. thing that, you know, that keeps you out of the, ho- you know, that puts you into the hospital or, you know, and I would think that I would go out and say like, is this the day I get COVID? I've got my two masks and my hand sanitizer and I'm doing all the distancing and, you know, being as careful as can be, but, but so were a lot of people who caught it. So I do think that like, as a, as a nation and as a, you know, as a world, we've all been in mourning. We've all been looking at the possibility of the death of our loved ones. You know, my daughter's a nurse. She just became a nurse. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. That's amazing. And and good for you for raising a woman like that. Yeah. I mean, she's incredible. She's the woman I most admire in the world is my daughter. And, um, and, you know, she would have to come home and like strip down on the porch and put her clothes on a bag or in the washing machine immediately at two o'clock in the morning, you know, and, um, and my husband's a firefighter. My future son-in-law is a firefighter. My son was a college student. So like we were, I was probably the safest one because I'm, you know, alone in my pajamas writing books. And, um, so it, it, it's been a year, it's been a year. And I think that it was funny when I was writing the book before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. Because you obviously started it before. Yeah. Right. Right. And then we got into the pandemic and I thought, oh dear, what have I done? <laughs> you know, I'm, I've written a tragic love story. And yet the more I sat with it in that time, I thought this, this is maybe the book everybody needs to read this year. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So how, so this is a show for writers about kind of the process of writing. Let's talk about your process. How, how do you get the work done? I know there for a while you had, you had an office, right? I think you had an office right now. No, but didn't you have an office outside the house? Yep. That's where I'm over my neighbor's garage right now. Oh, how love your husband popped something up to you. So I thought perhaps see there's my office. My cat is here somewhere. There's my dog. So is this (laughs) my dog? My dog's somewhere around here. Yes, Um, on the couch a minute ago. Oh, yes. Oh, there she is. Yeah, that's exactly where she is. So is that where you get the majority of your writing done? You've always kind of done that. So perhaps you didn't have as hard a time as the rest of us did with losing our, you know, coffee shops. You know, um, I can never write in public. That's, that's, I'm too interested in people. I get a lot of my ideas in public, you know, but I'm a, I'm a world-class eavesdropper. I'm, you know, I, I live in my hometown, which is very small. So, you know, I know everybody, if I go to the library, it's just, you know, old home week. And um, we don't have a coffee shop in my town. We used to, but unfortunately they were forced to move. Um, So I have always tried to work alone. You know, I started writing when my kids were little. And so I'd write when they were at school. And then uh, my husband made me this little office and at the corner of our basement it was like a cell you know because it was cement (laughs) walls and (laughs) and it was like you know eight by eight (laughs) but it was a room with a door which is very helpful you know whether it's a big closet or a cell um now I have this lovely office um so I do a lot of writing here I like to be away from my family um you know at least for a few hours now my kids are grown so it's not such um, a necessity, but um, I also, we have a family house on Cape Cod and, and that's where I wrote most of this book Ooh. because I was stuck there in the pandemic. My my husband and daughter said, don't come home. We never know what we're bringing home. 
stay up there. And so I was, it was, that must've been really difficult. It was, it was, it was very lonely. And, um, and again, very, um, it really made the, the idea of loneliness, like loneliness is something that I've always chosen. Mm -hmm. Um, it, uh, solitude, um, rather than loneliness, I love to be alone. And, and then when you don't choose it, when, you know, the governor is telling you not to leave the state and yeah. your family is saying, don't come home. It's different. So, um, so I do, I write by myself. Um, you know, uh, I've never been on a writer's weekend where we actually sit down and write. I I've heard about those. They sound great, <laughs> but for me, I need to be alone, not yeah. counting animals. Yeah. Yeah. What is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? I have such a hard time finishing a first draft. Um, to me, if if I didn't have to write a first draft, I could probably write three books a year. You know, um, I, I love the you. idea part. I like to flesh out the outline. I really like to have an idea of where the story's going, character development, research, and I love revising because that is when my book becomes a book and not just a pile of pages with a lot of red marks through it. You know. Um, so writing the first draft is, is very difficult for me. And I envy the people who say, oh, I write really clean first drafts and it only takes me six weeks, you know, and I think, who are you? How dare you? Yeah, no, (laughs) they're, 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 they're less agony for me than they used to be, but only because I've stopped telling everyone how much I hate first drafts because I decided I needed to stop doing Right. But I'm, I'm absolutely with you. What do you, what do you think specifically? I know what I dread about a first draft. What do you dread about a first draft? I think, um, and you know, like you, I've written a number of books. I realized this is just part of the process for me. Misery, self-hatred, doubt. (laughs) It's what makes me a better writer. And, and, you know, but it it does, it does. When I, when I think like, this is garbage and I hate all your characters, Kristen. And, um, you know, it makes me look more critically and um, more objectively at the book. So for me, the the hardest part of the first draft is letting it be imperfect, letting the characters be cardboard or shallow or, you know, useless, pointless. And I can fix, I can fix it later. And, and I always do, I have to remind myself, like I've, I've always been here, always, every book has been, it's not as good as the last one. And, you know, um, and then and you fix maybe, it. I, maybe I shouldn't be a writer, you know, this is my 21st books. So I'm starting to get over that. <laughs> I love that. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Um, I really do love that sort of that revision process where you can kind of see the book taking on life mm-hmm. and, um, and, and really hitting people hard. I love when I myself am crying during a scene, I think like, uh, yeah, you're bringing it Higgins, you're doing it, you know, um, or, and, and convert also laughing, you know, if I can make myself laugh, um, then I think uh, that I'm on the right track. So it's kind of like, you know, we're all Dr. Frankenstein stitching together the body parts and then hoping for the electricity to bring your monster to life, you know? What a great and- analogy. I love that. <laughs> Thanks. It just yeah, gave me. It's gorgeous. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of my writing process. I wish it was faster, 
I wish it was easier, but it's not. And it still works. And it works. That's the thing. Speaking of working, can you share a craft tip of any sort with us? Um, yeah, sure. When you're writing a first draft, start the next scene as a new document to resist the temptation to go back 10 or 100 pages and fuss mm -hmm. with that, mm -hmm. you know, just you can, again, like you're working on Frankenstein's leg today and his arms and shoulders are going to be left alone, right? So um, that has been really helpful for me to kind of keep me on task and not wandering off into the weeds, fixing a comma here or, or there, just like get the pages done, fix them later. Have you ever tried dabbling with the, the alpha smart in any of its forms and alpha smart Neo Neo two is the one I got recently, maybe about a year ago. It has changed everything about my first drafting. Tell me more. It's the, it's that machine that, that doesn't do anything. It doesn't connect to the internet. It looks like a large calculator with a keyboard. It's like a, and you buy a typewriter. Yeah. Right? And they don't make them anymore. You buy them on eBay, but you can only see four lines at a time. And it's like the weird old like dot matrix kind of text. And then <laughs> when you stop writing, you just use the one cord it has, you plug it into your computer and you hit send and it starts typing. It's just a digital recorder of typing. So then you can't even, um, you have to like leave your computer while it types all the words oh. you just typed, but you can't scroll back more than four lines. That's um, that's kind of the same idea is, yeah. you know, stay on target, stay. stay Don't let yourself futz. No futzing yeah. people. Oh, but I love, a, I love a good futz. It's so hard. Um, what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? Um, in a surprising way? Um, that's a really... Interesting question, Rachel. <laughs> um, okay, here's an answer. The weather. Oh, the weather affects okay, my writing. Tell me more about that. I love to write in the winter, and um, I have a much harder time in in the nice weather. I think it's because you know I'm a mother, and so my year has always been defined by the school year, right? And so. Um, you know, in the fall, it's like things really start. I often start books in the fall, right through the winter and in the spring wrap up for the past um, teen years, my books have come out in June. Oh. And um, so it's like this very natural um, progression, literally from nature, you know, and, um, you know, it's easier to write when you're warm and cozy rather than when you're, you're like, this is an attic apartment and, you know, it gets to be 95 degrees in here in the summer, you know, and I get in the winter, back. I get the, the rain sounds amazing in there. Does it? It does. Oh. It's so, I love a rainy day up here. And, um, so I, um, <laughs> I say this, like having half of my first draft done, so I'm going to have to just suck it up buttercup and finish it, you know? Um, after my daughter's wedding. Um, but um, yeah, I, I love writing when it's cold and gray. I, I say to my husband, I could be so happy in Seattle, you know. I or, always say that too. My wife does not believe me. She's like, we're not going there. But I think I would be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think it would be so, so cozy and comforting. And I think also that I'm an indoor person by nature, although I do love to garden and take walks and, and stuff. But, um, 
you know, like I can get enough nature just by sitting on the porch right? <laughs> with my potted plants. That's good enough. <laughs> a nice little dog walk that's, you know, on, on sidewalks. I don't need a trail. I don't need trees. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> like oh, I have, I, you know, live in a rural area and oh. we don't, we have one sidewalk on one street in my town. And, um, so all I have are trees and hills and, you know, mud and stuff like that. So. Oh yeah. Port of the porch sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what is the best book that you've read recently and why did that you I've read? It? Oh, I just, well, it, this is an unfair book to talk about amongst writers, but Kristen Hannah, the four winds. Um, oh, I haven't read that one. <sighs> She's so well, great. Just carve yourself out sometime. Um, it's, I, I said, it's one of the best books I've ever read it is absolutely grueling it is a story of hardship and desperation and just when you think it can't get worse it gets much worse yes I'm leaning Um, in I want this yeah right and it's the story of a a woman who is uh, forced into a marriage um and she has to leave her snooty wealthy family where she's never really belonged and, and become, um, go live on a farm in the Dust Bowl. And at first it's great yeah. because it's not the Dust Bowl, you know, it still rains and they have wheat and gardens and she's very loved by her in-laws kind of unexpectedly, if not by her husband. And then the drought comes and, you know, the drought, it, it to me, I've always known about the Dust Bowl and, you know, read of mice and men and, um, but that's it, you know, that's all I've got to American yeah. student. We don't know a lot about American history. And, um, so to read about how dry it was, how the land changed, how desperate and poor people were, um, you know, people who were like upper middle class one day, and then the next year they're like in bread lines and, and trying to feed a family of six. So it was, it, it was about this woman who is unaware of her own strength, who is so terrified that something bad will happen to her kids. And it keeps happening. The hits keep coming, you know, and um, Kristen is obviously a lover of history. You know, she wrote The Nightingale and um, and which is, you know, one of my top three books of all. I loved that one. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh this, I'm so glad I read it. I'm so exhausted after having read it. I am like broken and rebuilt stronger. (laughs) So it was incredibly rewarding, beautifully written. Um, I read it, then I listened to it because is a rock star, you know, I mean, um, that's the thing about audiobooks, right? You know, I love to read a paper book, a, you know, hard copy paper book. I'm not an e-reader, I think, because I work on the computer all day. Um, and so listening to books is new to me because I don't have a commute. Um, but in the pandemic, when I was by myself, I had my phone and I had my Audible account. And um, and that's who kept me company those months when I was mm. by myself, you know. And I started to, you know, that's, I would, 
cook and eat dinner while listening to my book or fold laundry while listening to my book. So I've developed a new appreciation for audiobook narrators because they can really make or break a story. Oh, you and I both share Exy. Um, She does my books too. Right. I think she's done, she has such she's a done five or six of mine and she yeah. has her own fandom. She, cause she's so, she's so good. A lot of people have found me because they read or they'll listen to anything Xy narrates. Her name is Xy Sands. E-X-E is how she spells her name. Yeah. And um, yeah, now like we're friends and yes. you know, if we're I, I think she can't, I think she's one of those people who has to be friends with everybody. Can I you imagine know. her not? I know. Yeah. She's so we lovely. did an event at the Strand Bookstore in New York um, <clears throat> two books ago for Life and Other Inconveniences. And um, we had a panel and we were having a lot of fun. And then she did a reading from the book and we were all crying. Oh. So we were all so moved and just like, <laughs> you know, I said to my friend, like, I can't believe I wrote that. You know, it sounded so good from her lips. You know, she made it so so rich and incredible and you know she's such a talent yeah. I'm gonna make sure I send this recording to her too when it comes <laughs> out. hello Exy. um but you just blew my mind with an idea I listen to nonfiction because my brain can handle that um but when I'm reading fiction I have a hard time following the story if I miss a few sentences it bothers me but I could read the book with my eyes and process all the information visually, which is what I need to do, and then listen to it and enjoy the experience because I've already, I already understand the book. Right, right. And um, yeah, so it's, um, I, one of my hobbies is restoring furniture. Mm. And I say hobby lightly because, you know, maybe I spend an hour a month doing this, you know, yeah, but yeah. Um, it's really nice to be in our basement and sanding a piece of furniture and listening to a story um, especially because, you know, I am alone a lot with my, my firefighter husband works a 24 hour shift and, and then some, and, um, so I just, I just love it. It's like my new crush in life is audiobooks, And I feel guilty saying that because I, um, appreciate, I've always appreciated audiobooks, And like you, I I listen to a lot of nonfiction, but I just listened to the midnight library and narrated that. I read that one with my eyeballs, but was it great yeah. in audio? It was fantastic. And I thought, you know, an actress, I'm not sure, like stay in your lane, Carrie. No, she's fantastic. I mean, she's such a wonderful actress. I love her so much as an actress, actor. But as an audiobook narrator, not every actor can slide yeah. over. You know, sometimes they make it about their performance and not about the story. Right? Yeah. And Carrie did a fantastic job. It was a beautiful narration. Maybe I'll listen to that one next. I have so many audible credits and I've read the book. I had, I had Matt on the show and he was just as gorgeous as wonderful. He's the best. I'm so glad to hear it because I loved that. Another, another writer recently told me that she said, thank God he's nice because that would just break my heart if he wasn't. (laughs) All right. Well, tell us where we can find you and pack up the moon, which, which everyone should run out and get. It will be out by the time this show is out. Yes, uh, you can get it anywhere. I have all the links on my website, uh, kristenhiggins.com. And if you uh, if you did pre-order it or if you buy it the first week, I donate my share to St. Jude Children's Hospital. Oh, how great. I um, love that. I've done for about 10 books because, you know, 
the writing has been really good to me. Readers have, have given me this career that I, I never envisioned. Um, and I've been really lucky as well. And, um, so I have this amazing career and I, I, I kind of, because I mentioned the Hungarian thing to assuage my Catholic guilt. I, <laughs> I donate, um, money to a lot of causes, but especially to St. Jude's. I think that's fabulous. Yeah, so. Oh, well, thank you, Kristen. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for being you. It's lovely to see you and hopefully someday we'll run into each other in a, in the conference world. If we ever, I so. <laughs> if I ever feel like going to another one in my life, or I'll just come visit you, please. New Zealand is a lovely country. Come. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Kristen. Have a wonderful night. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.